Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. This is the big one, I guess, potentially. This is our interview with David and Gus, the winners of Lego Masters Season 3. We've been very excited to get to this one because we did pick them as early favourites from early on. So it's been 14 episodes of Crossed Fingers (laughs) and they're finally here to hopefully give us all their secrets as to how they got the win. Yeah, it was so great to finally get to chat to David and Gus and they gave us so much insight into details we didn't get to see on screen, into how it was working with Brickman and his judging style and obviously all the juicy goss on their final build, which did bring us to tears. We'll remind everyone. (laughs) We haven't said it enough times yet. (laughs) Kind of like our interview with Jackson and Alex last year. Go back and check it out if you haven't. They do give a lot of really good tips and insights as to how they went about their builds because they were always such a streamlined team. They had only a couple of big build issues, which we do get into, so you can sort of hear that as well. But legitimately, if you're someone who's maybe thinking of applying, this is a really good interview to listen to because there's so much stuff they reveal that are just great tips. For example, one thing you might have already heard on the podcast is they build a mini version of the build before building the big version of the build just so they can make sure everything makes sense. Genius! Never would have thought of that. That's why they're the winners and I'm absolutely not. So super excited for you guys to listen to this one. Hope you enjoy. We have two very special guests on the podcast today. The season three winners of Lego Masters, David and Gus. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Hello, hello. Hello, thank you. We have to start uh, just from the beginning, I guess, and and get an overview of your journey as a whole. So I'd love for you to tell us how was Lego Masters this year? Obviously, winning would have been the highlight, but how was the journey as a whole? Yeah, winning was all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, uh, me especially, I came in, you know, to push my creativity and, and Lego technical ability. And I think that, you know, getting to the end and winning really did that to the, the highest degree we could. For me, it was the the second time uh, I applied for Lego Masters. So I applied for season two, didn't Go went through mm. and then um, went home, practice, 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 and came back. And well, it was a good thing that I came back. So, <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, were accepted for season three and, and were on that journey on the show, was there any point where you thought, Good thing I, I came back because I kind of maybe wasn't going to at one point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, season two, I thought I went through the process far. I, season three, I realized that I didn't go that far. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I knew what I did was not good enough. And I practiced a lot to make sure that I was on my game for season three. And mm. to have had the chance to be paired up with uh, Gus, who is unbelievably talented. Um, it was uh, was the best thing that could have happened to me. So 
I think we complemented each other really well. Do you feel like you guys were a good team and, and the match worked really well? Or was it early on a case of you figuring out what your individual strengths were and who was going to focus on what? Yeah, definitely early on we had to, you know, really build around each other for lack of a lack of a pun. But um, I think we, you know, we probably found our groove a couple episodes in and probably around the Fox, mm. I'd say. And then from there, we, you know, it was no looking back. Yeah, there were two moments. I think we've mentioned this a couple of times, but there were two huge moments for us. The first one was the Fox. That's when we found how to work well together and what our strength could be. Because in the first couple of builds, it was just a mashup of both styles. Right. And the second big moment was uh, the boombox because that's when we realized that composition was fundamental. Mm. And after that, we started applying both things and yep, yeah, it worked out uh, well. <laughs> Great that you bring up composition because we heard from some of the other contestants that you guys had a little hack to help plan your mm. builds, which is that you'd build a miniature version of the build first and then use that to fine tune the specific composition of the build and then turn that into a larger version. How did you stumble onto that technique? Because I think it's the first time we've heard anyone do that. Uh, I can't remember what how it came about, but yeah, it was definitely something we used uh, several times throughout the show. Um, yeah, it was just... We just sort of both gravitated towards it, I think, and just sort of thought this would be a good way to physically understand what's in each other's heads and be able to have a, yeah. you know, a good sort of foresight of what to build. Yeah, that's a good point because I remember, I don't know when it wa was, but we went back to the hotel and Gus said, oh, I've been watching these composition videos, take a look at them. <laughs> we started looking at how to make proper compositions and diagrams and stuff. And then one of the things that we did when we were building as well is I would come up with an idea or Gus would come up with an idea and we would test that idea, mm. show it to the other one. And okay, yeah, I understand what you mean. And then we will incorporate it into the model. Yeah, right. That, that's really interesting. And you mentioned before that the first few builds were kind of a mash of your two styles and then you started to work out how to actually build together. Something that we noticed you guys do when you started really getting into those big creatures, uh, the tiger in particular was you would literally build half the creature each. <laughs> how did you manage that knowing, like, did you just have to trust that the other person would build the body exactly as you wanted it to fit to the head? <laughs> um, no, well, yes, but no, we... We would we planned pretty um, extensively that kind of stuff. Like we would do a mm. lot of scale drawing on the pads that we had. So we do the fox. We I drew out the head at the size we were going to build it. So then that knew that right. when Dave started the body and I started with the head, that when those two met, you know, we had a pretty good chance that they'd be the same size. I think you get a glimpse when we were building the tiger. They show the table, and you can see the big pad, a drawing of the body from uh, top view. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So we would, okay, this is going to be the size of the head. This is going to be the size of the body. And then we would play around that. And we would test it many times. Mm. We also left ourselves a bit of room for error as well with the bodies where we would, they would build the frames a lot smaller than they needed to be. And then we could brick build and plate build out right. to get the size. Oh, yep. yep. Yeah, cool. That's a good tip for any aspiring contestants listening. <laughs> <laughs> and the Tiger as well, you, the show sort of focused on how um, mind-blowing it was aesthetically. It was such a beautiful model, but the technical challenge of building it across that branch as well. Could you talk about some of the challenges you encountered getting it all to balance and, and scale correctly? Yeah, absolutely. When I was working on the body, I was looking into two things. The first one was making sure that the body was 
to scale with the head. Um, so I built it. I, I built the body in a modular way. I had several boxes, like frame, uh, uh, brick frames, that I can join together, and then I added extra plates to the branch to make sure that it could hold the entire body. Right. Ah, uh, yep. And all the legs, all the limbs of the tiger were um, articulated as well. So what I did is I built. The body articulated, the the all the legs and the paws articulated. Oh my goodness. We posed them, just the skeleton, and then we played it around the, the our already posed tiger. So we did all the posing before we even played the body or decorated the body, if that makes sense. Right. That's so cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously you guys kind of became known for these beautiful creatures. Had either of you built many animals or big creatures coming into the show or was it sort of just this surprise skill that you found once you started building? I built a few um, animal heads, I guess, and, and things that look similar to the style that those, those animals became, but um, never anything sort of full-bodied or as big as what mm. we did on the show. Mm. And I never built a creature in my life before. Wow. <laughs> I work my style of building. I combine Lego with real life things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know if you saw my Insta account and I, I build things or Lego things inside actual bottles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. So I combine it with real. Uh, I have, I like how Gus put it in one of the interviews. I have a, a Lego brain. <laughs> I oh. know how to put the bricks together, but but the artistry of Goss building right. creatures is just amazing. And I was not going to stop that. So, <laughs> <as you> said, <laughs> All right, dude, I'll join the boat and let's go. <laughs> Dave, do you feel like that then gave you an advantage for the half and half build? Because you were doing that, you were building with a real object? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was, we were lucky because the boombox was not as heavy as we thought it was going to be. So when we turn it upside down, it was really light. I mean, Mm. it took a lot of technical intricacies (laughs) to uh, keep it like that. But but Mm. yeah, I think absolutely. I don't know if you saw the details on the boombox, the continuation of the dial, but Gus's instruments were just insane. Thank you. So I had a question on that specifically. I thought about this over a couple of the builds, but the half and half challenge was the first time that I thought of it. Were you guys allowed to Google anything at any point? Because I saw those instruments and thought, there's no way I could even draw what a cello or or a guitar like specifically looks like with the amount of detail that you guys had on it. Um, No, I didn't for those instruments. Yeah, right. I think except for the trumpet, the infamous trumpet, I I think I did them all all blind, I guess you could say. Yeah, Yeah. wow. Yeah, the V, the flying V. The flying V, yeah. Yeah, that was unbelievable. (laughs) Because with something like the Avengers build, for example, there's so many specific things to get correct. We had wondered if you all just happened to be massive Marvel fans or if you had a chance to, at some point throughout the course of the build, duck off and do a quick bit of reference image finding and go from there. (laughs) 
Well, we can't speak for the rest of the teams, but we were big enough Marvel fans. We probably didn't need to. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that worked out well there. Yeah. Didn't you see my face in all the promos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you guys had the choice between Star Wars last season and Marvel this season, would you guys have chosen Marvel? Yeah, I know. Star Wars. Whoa. I think, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, that's, that's a win-win question, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. But they had stormtroopers walking around the room, so... That's true. That was pretty cool. You didn't have any... Guardians of the Galaxy walking around the room this time. <laughs> With that Marvel build, so you obviously built the aircraft carrier. That was like a fight scene paused in time. Was that your first idea or what was your ideation process behind that? And what was the sort of objectives you were trying to hit with that Marvel build? Um, I think that was pretty close to our first idea. I mean, it wouldn't, wasn't 100%. We, we did take, take a while to get there, I think, as we sort of did for most builds. But we never intended to build, you know, like the the bridge or, or an internal structure or anything like that. It was always going to be a big outdoor scene for us. Mm. The challenge was always just getting, you know, enough of the helicarrier into a build <laughs> in the time we had. Yeah, I think it was about setting up that big fight scene. And they, Brickman talked a lot about creating a moment of impact. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they stressed it enough in the broadcast, but it was not about uh, creating a scene from, the, from a movie, from one of the movies. Mm. It was about creating a moment of impact, capturing time. So that's what we were going for. Like capturing the essence as opposed to a specific thing that we've already seen in a movie. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And I think from memory, yours had the biggest scale of all the teams in that build, or at least that's what it looked like on TV. Was that an intentional choice that you wanted to have a sense of scale to the build or the nature of the build, as you said, trying to get the aircraft carrier depicted, it kind of just ended up that way? Yeah, I think it just ended up that way. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We got carried away. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, carried away. Yeah. <laughs> we got so big at the end that, that we were struggling to finish it at the very end. Mm. Well, and we didn't think about the turbine either for a while. So when Brickman came over and said, oh, it just looks like a regular ship. And we we're like, yeah, you're right. We have to. But it was so big that it would look weird. Yeah. And that's yeah. when we thought about having it ripped apart from the hole and just having Red Skull carrying the pre-helicarrier turbine in, yeah. So that was a change that was made a little bit further on into the build? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Speaking of Brickman, something that we talked about on the podcast for quite a lot of the season and then was kind of confirmed in those last two episodes was this idea that Brickman judged you guys to a higher standard. How, how, how was that? How did you manage that? Um, it's a tricky question. I don't know. I think when you watch the show, it's, it's such a, you know, it's a long period of time for us that's condensed down into a little totally. portion of time. So it never felt that apparent, I guess, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. Because it's sort of spread out over longer. We weren't always as, as conscious of it. I don't think well, I, I wasn't. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm on the same page. Um, you see a lot of comments online. Uh, there were, he was helping this team more or, or challenging this team a little bit more, but the answer is going to be always the same. We all got the same amount of feedback from mm. Brigman. His biggest concern is making sure that all the teams build their best. Yeah. yeah. And you could feel that he was trying to do that and help us get there, all the teams. And I did the math. And for episode one, it was over 350 hours of footage. Yeah. Wow. To compress it into 60 minutes. Wow. You're you're never going to be able to see everything that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think me personally, I, I hold myself to a very high standard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he vibed on that and saw that, you know, 
Mm. I thought I could do better, but maybe took it easy. And so he's like, Gus, you know you can do better. Keep pushing yourself. (laughs) On that note, let's talk about the dream home slash nightmare build. The way it was shown on the TV series was that you guys had a bit of a a struggle with it. And and Gus, they had a lot of footage of you in particular, really (laughs) struggling to come up with an idea. What was sort of happening in your head? How did that work at the time? Gee, that was an, an unfun day for me. Um, <laughs> we sort of went against what we decided we would do and we and we rushed into plans and we sort of couldn't get an idea in front of us that we both agreed on. We were sort of both doing things half committed. Mm. And, you know, we, we had some feedback from Brickman that wasn't shown in the end on, on screen that really just stopped us in our tracks again. And we were, we were quite a long way into the build at this stage. And so it really, you know, it just threw me. We had no vision. We had no plan so yeah yeah that was a rough one (laughs) yeah but you turned it around (laughs) we did we managed to turn it around into something yeah Mm. (laughs) i don't don't remember i don't remember the back half of that build at all (laughs) (laughs) when we were watching the episode online we were texting to each other and we were saying man that looks way better than we remember (laughs) (laughs) you had just so much trauma associated with that day of building yeah Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) when the the nightmare twist got announced you guys had a a great idea of just putting the snake there which fit in so well with the build you'd already had do you remember at the time being like yes finally we catch a break (laughs) or is it just still just one big blur no that i do remember that moment that was the <laughs> one time in that build where i thought we have a chance now it was you know <laughs> yeah i'm also really curious about the build a car without tires episode because it was one of the most uh technical slash engineering heavy challenges of the show i loved what you guys were working on with those really funky wheels that you had and then honestly was a little disappointed that all the teams found that one part that they ended up using. <laughs> yeah. How did you guys feel? Were you sad that all that engineering you went to was kind of put to the side? Yeah, I certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had these great wheels designed that we sort of that we were going to get something really cool out of. And then yeah, all of a sudden I think Jess and Anthony were the first team to find the yeah. big discs. Yeah. And then it was just it was game over if we didn't use them basically. I wouldn't say sad, I would say disappointed because <laughs> uh, we didn't test because we thought that there was not going to be a lot of friction on the track. Yeah. So yeah. we said, okay, let's use it. And I was really proud when I found the rubber clips. I said, yeah. ooh, this is going to be something that is going to be a winner. But mm. <laughs> then Jess and Anthony tested their car and it just went woof. Yeah. It was like two yeah. seconds faster over a four-second track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess if they ever do that challenge again, the producers will absolutely take those dishes out. <laughs> yeah, they'll know. Uh, did you guys have a challenge in particular that you enjoyed where you thought, oh, this is a, a type of building we haven't done before? Or was there a specific challenge that you really loved? I really enjoyed building in the cut in half challenge because mm. because we had such a clear vision and, and, and it was and it came together sort of quite easily. I, I loved the tree challenge, obviously, because our output again was was going to be so clear mm. to us and and it was a good result but yeah i'm not sure other than that yeah i think in, in terms of builds uh the fox the tiger the snake even though that was painful it was beautiful but <laughs> in terms of enjoying the the challenge for me was mm. the balloon uh the float oh yeah the floating balloon yeah it was just fun it was just fun to build mm. and and we build the wings in a way that we could just play with the plates Mm. to modify the weight and that was just fun I, I think I made a joke as, because right after the balloons was the snake was the kale scale built mm-hmm. sorry when we were doing the kale scale challenge I said oh, that's why the balloons were so fun because they knew they were <laughs> gonna 
have a suffering on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the uh, Fox build for a second, which I think probably is maybe your most well-known, maybe after the deer <laughs> now that we've seen that. Um, something that the other contestants have said a lot is that they were really throw, thrown off by the amount of snow that was produced in that snow globe. Oh, Did yeah. that throw you guys off as well? Did that affect your story at all? I don't think as much as anyone, any of the teams that had little mini figs wandering mm. around that got buried because, you know, because the fox's head was 20, 30 centimetres off the ground, yeah. the main focal point of the, of the build didn't get lost at all. Like it's, it actually got buried in the snow, which kind of added to it a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you saw how big the tail was and and part of us making it that big was because we were maybe thinking that there, there was going to be a lot of snow so we didn't want it to be covered completely yeah and it was lost under the snow it was completely yeah. buried yeah we had footprints in the back didn't we that we lost that got buried yeah, in the snow true, oh, true. No. little like little divots because we actually built yeah, some yeah, snow yeah, i remember that so yeah yeah i forgot about those it's because there's too much snow (laughs) but there would be so many details and we love asking this question because we always learn something new but could you think of any details in any of the builds across the season that just didn't make it to tv because there would be so many yeah for me it was the the tree house um we had uh all the minifigs i think they mentioned this all the faces of the minifigs they were not scared because they didn't know the snake was going to come Mm. the anaconda was just behind them so everyone was just chilling Uh, and inside the house we built a roof in a way that you could open it yeah Yeah, we noticed that Gus's family was there my family my wife was there so we were all inside yeah just all doomed but just chilling (laughs) and they didn't show show any of that that's really nice because we didn't do a lot of minifigure stuff everything was so large and and sort of yeah there was only you know two or three elements to each build really Mm. Nothing really got lost. I mean, the, a couple of the instruments around the back of the yeah. boombox didn't get mm. shown, which yeah, yeah, not as bad. But <laughs> <laughs> I like that you say that because we did touch on that briefly in our um, finale wrap-up episode, where I think Harrison or Michael mentioned that you guys really specifically wanted to build builds that weren't just minifigs or weren't relying on some mechanics that had just like an artistic mm. quality to their own. And I absolutely think you guys hit that out of the park. But was that a decision you made at the beginning of the season or just something you found yourselves falling into as you kept building? Uh, well, mini minifigs aren't my area of expertise. I'm not, this is going to cause controversy. I'm not a huge minifig fan. <laughs> um, the drama. So, yes. <laughs> I'll expect phone calls. Um, <laughs> so I kind of went in thinking I'd need to get better at building minifigs just because the show mm. historically has had a lot of minifig work. But then as soon as we did the Fox and we realized, or I realized that we didn't have to rely on them, yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was pretty stoked. So. Yeah, it's the same because if you see the first build, the crocodile, we did have a lot of minifig stories around mm. it. Uh, we had, I remember I took a, uh, I think it was a, a teapot and that was the elbow of one of the minifigs that was being transformed because of the pink goo and oh. <laughs> with the fox. And the thing is, I think the fox was, I don't know if this is going to be controversy as well, but <laughs> I think a sculpture like that was the first time it was made in Lego Masters. Mm. Um, and we found out, as Gus said, that we didn't need to rely on minifigs mm. to build something really cool. So... Yeah. 
I did love with that first build, though. I described it at the time as kind of being like disaster movie vibes. Was that an intentional <laughs> choice where you're like, it's going to yeah. be a movie scene? Or was it just kind of like, oh, you know, a bit of toxic waste, no worries? Yeah, it was definitely a movie scene vibe for sure, yeah. Mm. And the thing is, in, on camera, you again, you don't see all the details, but we had the the train. Oh, and, and when I was building the red uh, train cart, uh, the crocodile was chomping on the cart and I built a mechanism inside that whenever the crocodile chomped, it would hit a button and the lights would go on. Oh. But the the jaw of the crocodile was coming down so hard that it was destroying the, the train every time <laughs> it hit it. Art imitating life, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we really enjoyed that one as well, but we were just finding the best way we could build together. Mm. One last build that I want to touch on before we talk about the amazing finale build, the balloon build, which we did talk about. How did you guys go about balancing the weight? Did you have a particular strategy with trying to build something that was the right scale? That was um, that, that was a struggle. There was a struggle in there that I didn't show. <laughs> when I was building the body, I the cable was connected at the bottom of the box of the body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the center of gravity was a little bit off. So it was just uh. dancing sideways. So uh. we had to <laughs> take the body apart and rebuild it and right. just put the, attach the cable on top of the body, on the back of the body. I think the way we always built helped a lot as well. Mm. We always tried to build in a way that we could take it apart quickly and, and rebuild it if we needed to. Yeah, that build was definitely one we went into probably the most blind i'd say we you know no no one really yeah. knew how much weight that balloon could take you know or how much weight it was going to take to sink it or float it so we all it was a real trial and error for a lot of a lot of us i'd love to jump to your finale build and chat a little bit about that from the show it seemed like it kind of went off without a hitch you guys seemed to just sort of get in a rhythm and then suddenly it was built and and it didn't seem like anything really went wrong were there any struggles along the way that we didn't see? Um, no, nothing major. Like um, we, we changed a couple of things. Like originally there was only going to be mm. one wolf and there was going to be three deer, I think. Yeah. Oh. I, I had the idea of making the wolf and the whole background entirely out of black bricks so that it was really like a shadowed oh, thing wow. and was lost. And Yeah. But I started building it in black and it was just – it was too black. So moved to <laughs> color. <laughs> Getting lost, yeah. yeah. It looked a little bit like a panther. So <laughs> yeah, it right. just didn't didn't quite play as I thought it would in my head. So yeah, building the trees in the back as well. Mm. Yeah, I remember Brickman came to the table and said, "Oh, you know what looked really good in the trees if you had an angle on the branches because they were coming out straight, mm -hmm. just horizontal, and those branches were heavy. So to be able oh. to put them on an angle, that was a bit of a challenge. But as Gus said, nothing, nothing major. Sorry." We cannot add to the drama, but... <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. that there was nothing that went wrong. Controversial. Dave and Gus are too talented. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> was that build an idea that you'd had for a while throughout the season and, and did it evolve or did you come to it near the end as the finale was starting? A bit of both. We, so, we were sort of thinking... We were thinking finale for a while mildly arrogantly I guess but <laughs> we did we did sort of plan that build for for quite a while and get the composition right and you know sketch it out and that kind of stuff yeah it's interesting because it's the only build you have any sort of prior notice and confirmation for and so you can you can really approach it in a totally different way to the rest of the entire season really yeah exactly and because 
we had our style sort of developed by that stage as well as a yeah. team. You know, we were building these creatures and these animals with these emotions. So mm. definitely felt like the right path to go down for us. Yeah, again, I guess that's one of the advantages or, of being season three as well, that we were kind of hoping that the final build was going to be a free one. Yeah. So we wanted to be prepared, again, a, <laughs> to sound a little bit arrogant. <laughs> but uh, Justified. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to prepare for everything, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, did, we did plan it a little bit. Something that we noticed in the episode was at one point Brickman came around and said permission to touch and he moved one of the ears on your deer. <laughs> was that the first time that Brickman's ever touched anyone's build? Uh, as far as I'm aware, yeah. He's, it was... I think on the day he sort of moved it and then moved it back and then walked away. Oh. On, the, on, on the show, it sort of looked like he moved it and then left it in that spot, but I don't, yeah. I don't actually think it stayed there. Oh, okay. So because I thought he was maybe posing it to a slightly better pose, but he was more like testing the integrity of the build potentially? Yeah, potentially testing, yeah. Right. It is funny though because when he, when he said, um, you know, permission to touch, and I just said, yes, of course. And then he went in and touched the deer's head. I was like, oh, if I'd have known it was going to be that, I wouldn't have said yes. Yeah, no, actually don't touch it. Because <laughs> the legs were a little bit a little bit wobbly and if it, if it, they could sort of mm. twist and collapse on themselves. So I was quite nervous once he said, once he started doing that. <laughs> yeah. i got to say, guys, when I saw the finished version of this build in the finale episode on TV, I like I cried. Like I don't know what it was. It was just so <laughs> yeah. stunning. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, I shed a tear, and I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but it was beautiful. So absolutely, congratulations, well deserved, great work. Thank you. Do you get to keep it? <laughs> oh. We wish. Yeah. No. Oh no! Don't tell me it was destroyed. We don't. We don't even know what happened to it. We have no idea because I remember season one, I remember the winning build from Henry and Kate. It was displayed in, in one of the Lego stores. Yeah. yeah. Season two, because of COVID, they didn't do anything that I know of. Yeah, okay. But we don't know what's going to happen with this one. Uh, so m- maybe something could happen still. Maybe there'll be an exhibition or something. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Only if they give us a chance to put that paddle on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Has that kept you up at night? <laughs> that missing panel is just it haunting my dreams all the time. Oh. <laughs> Was that the only thing that you look back on the build and think, oh, I just wish we fixed that or changed that? Is it really just that one panel? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I think little details that you look and you wish you added more. Or For me, for example, the trees... Um, I would like to add more texture to them. Mm. I mean, it looked really nice. Don't get me wrong. But, oh yeah, but I would have loved to. You always want to do more with your builds. It's never done. Yeah, it's never done. <laughs> That's the word. Just to finish up, now as Win is looking back, what are your tips for people entering for the next season? What are your tips to them? Uh, I mean, I would, I would say back yourself and and find your style and find what you like to build and and get great at it. Mine would be practice, practice, practice. Um, building for the show is really different to building at home. Yeah. And you have to be ready for anything. So as Gus said, back yourself, but you need to practice a lot. Become adaptable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Excellent advice. David and Gus, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your time to talk through your journey and everything. Thank you for having us. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed, which is, I'll remind you, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. And we plan to keep it that way. (laughs) If we hear whispers of someone else coming in trying to cut our grass, 
You know what? We'll welcome them with open arms. Let's keep the Lego world building. See, that's a pun as well. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at legomasters underscore deconstructed and on Twitter at LMDthepod. You can get in touch with us there, ask us any questions or give us any thoughts. Tell us your hopes and dreams. You get the gist. I get the gist. We still have a few more interviews from this season to go, so if you have any questions for some of the contestants we haven't interviewed yet, let us know and maybe we can sneak them into those chats. Also subscribe to the podcast because, as I said, some more interviews coming. That'll be fun. Otherwise, guys, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.